I think an artist has a responsibility. I mean, you're already doing so much to be vulnerable by putting your art out there. And I mean, it's a piece of you, whether you like it or not. Um, so I feel like all the people that I look up to that are artists and I, I'm like, God, I feel something when I hear you talk or when I see your art or I hear your music and it inspires me to do the same. Welcome to Elevated Frequencies, the show that gives you access to the next level of house and techno so you can explore an elevated lifestyle. The chances of seeing one of Lucati's tweets come across your feed, whether you follow him or not, are very high, and that is because he's a man who's not afraid to speak his mind. Whether it is riling up heated debates about opener DJs or giving sage life advice to his fans and to aspiring artists, Lucati puts 110% into everything he does. This conversation is packed with great information, so sit back, relax, and let Lucati take you to school. Well, Lucati, thanks for joining me. It's very nice to talk to you. Absolutely. Happy to be here. You uh, are no stranger to Twitter. And something I saw you posted on Twitter today was, if you admire somebody, don't be a fan, be an interviewer. So that is actually exactly what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much nailed it right there. Yeah, Where- I actually, I love that quote because a lot of times when I meet fans or I'm a fan of someone else, I really, I want to know how they got there and like, what's your favorite plugin? What's your, what's the little trick that you know that no one else does? Mm-hmm. And sometimes a fan will get a little too excited and not give you that time of day. So yeah, I thought it was good advice. Sorry, I cut you off. That's okay. Well, you have plenty of good advice on Twitter, and I'm going to try to not make this a thing where I just read your tweets and make you explain (laughs) them, because I don't think that's good like interview practice. But I'm so excited to have you because you just gave me a wealth of content to go off of. You really put it out there, what you're feeling, and, and you speak your mind. So before we even talk about all your opinions, I want to... I want to ask you this. There are a lot of people out there in the, you know, music profession, whatever, any any industry where you're like public facing who are very afraid to be vocal. Why is that not you? I think an artist has a responsibility. I mean, you're already doing so much to be vulnerable by putting your art out there and I mean, it's a piece of you whether you like it or not. Um so I feel like all the people that I look up to that are artists and I, I'm like, God, I feel something when I hear you talk or when I see your art or I hear your music and it inspires me to do the same. Like Banksy, I know it almost sounds cliche to like him because he's so undeniable, but like he's poetic in everything he does. And it makes me go like, I need, I need to say what I want to say because I have a voice that is worth, uh, sharing and and a unique opinion. And I think everyone honestly has the same. It's just some people have the ability to tap in and some people don't have that ability because they're stuck in the rat race, unfortunately. So I was lucky enough to get out of the rat race and kind of 
keep the flame alive and give it another go. And is that something, because I think this is especially pertinent to people who might be starting off their journeys, whether it's as an artist or whatever in their industry, I think that's when they're most afraid to be opinionated because they don't want to ruffle any feathers. Right. So is this, is this who you've always been? Have you always just been very forward and, and sharing what's on your mind or when, you know, as you were building your career, was that a consideration or you're just like, fuck it, I'm just going to be me. I've always been outspoken. I'm the older brother of, um, it's just me and my, my younger brother, Javier, uh, who was also DJ dateless. Um, but uh, my dad wasn't in the picture for very much of my life. Um, he was kind of in and out. My mom and dad would get together again and then it'd fall out again. So I kind of took on this role of like, uh, well, I guess I'm my own dad in a, in a way. And I took care of my brother in, in the same sense. So I felt like I had to stand up to some adversity. Um, and it gave me the confidence to kind of be like, I, I don't feel good if I don't say the thing that's on my mind. It feels like I'm going to like explode inside. Like, so it doesn't feel good to keep it in. So, and I, I feel like I have a, a, a way with words that I'm not like vicious or mean or do I, I don't come from that angle either. So when I say controversial things, I'm trying to either make you laugh, have some fun or do that and make you kind of think like, wait, why is that? Why, why is every DJ just talking about their flight delays every single day? Like no one cares. No one cares. And they know, they know, but they don't have anything else because they're scared to say the thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the, what you're, what you're touching on. So. Yeah, I, I think it's really admirable. And I want to talk about your music too. It's especially interesting that you and your brother are both DJs. I, I, I did know that. Um, but it's just, it's just really refreshing to see you be vulnerable, like you said, and unapologetic about who you are. We are lacking that in the world in general, but I, in my opinion, especially in this scene where it's still a, a popularity contest. How cool are you? Who do you know? Where are you going? Oh, you know, and and it's just a bunch of bullshit. And I think it comes with age. You kind of, you kind of learn like, okay, this is, this is all stupid. Um, so it's just really nice to see when an artist, you know, is leading the charge on people. You're, you're, what you're doing, in my opinion, is you're demanding authenticity from those around you because you are authentic. I'm so happy you say that because I literally, tell my manager and my team, like, I just want to be me. I want to be authentic. I think that's the wave. You see it in comedy. You see it in movies. Like you can feel the fakeness. It's not something's off. It's like looking at a face that's AI. You're like, dude, (laughs) something's weird here. Um, So when you feel the authenticity and the genuineness and the vulnerability of a human, it allows you to connect in another way. And, um, I think that's important. It's so lacking, like you said. So I take it upon myself to kind of lead by example. I mean, some days I go a little crazy, but for the most part, I mean, well, like I'm not trying to be bad. You know? Yeah, so. no, I never, I don't think anybody's ever gotten that vibe from you. You, you, cr- create- I would disagree, but <laughs> really, I mean, you create, you, were you there for the, sorry, were you there for the opener, the opener tweet that I did? Yes, I was. I got some nice DMs from that one. <laughs> really? But from your peers or just from no, people like, that don't matter? 
I mean, <laughs> they matter, but they like they don't know what they're talking about because they don't know how what the context is. Like I'm being silly and a little serious, but I'm kind of trying to teach a lesson to people that are like trying to do this right. Because I fell in love with this this art form in a very like fortunate time. I I went to USC and I grew up in the blog area, the bloghouse era, with like mm-hmm. Skrillex, Justice, you know, all the names, Busy P, and um. I saw the way that they would build the night and it was so romantic to me. You go to the club early because the you don't want to miss the opener and the opener's taking you on the journey and handing it off to the headliner and it just crescendos in a way that you could never make a movie like that. You could never make anything. No amusement park relates. So I want that for other people. And when I completely see the opposite where everyone's just trying to be famous or trying to they think it's their time to shine and it that's how it is it's a competition that was my remark was like guys we're a team i'm an opener sometimes too you gotta build the night it's better that way you're already tired by the time the headliner's there he's not gonna have a good time you're not gonna have a good time it's simple Mm -hmm. but yeah i digress i Agree. I mean, you're the expert in this subject matter, but as a spectator, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it pays in dividends when you are an opener and you do kind of play your role. I think that that like good karma comes back to you too. When everybody plays their part in making, you know, doing their job, which is to curate an amazing time um, that can only come back to you in a positive way. I would honestly say I, if an opener does a good job, it's way more impressive than a headliner. Headlining is easy. You play the popular songs, you play your hits, but mm-hmm. opening is like you have to win the crowd over right away and then you have to keep them. And not only that, are you're increasing the energy just slightly, it, whether it's increasing the tempo or the style of music. It's a beautiful art. And it's also something that I think it needs to be here. It needs to be revered. So, and I mean, I have a conversation with John Summit about this and he's like, dude, it's crazy. It's almost like the people that play before him at shows, like they're trying to impress him, like as if he's watching them and going like, Oh my God, that guy's the next fucking guy. And that's not how it works. Not only is that not happening. We, we don't like that. That's not going to get you our attention. If you do it well, it's like, it's very you stand out so much more so yeah that's very very interesting i think a lot of djs would find that information valuable um it's also hard and i know you have a lot of thoughts on this when we are literally curating our lives our professions everything to having a moment online. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you make a 60 second moment so you can go viral or be the next TikTok song or whatever. And I am guilty of this as someone trying to build my own brand. Yeah, we all are. I think so. It's, it's good to be aware of it, Mm -hmm. but how, how do you be conscious and not let that like rule your art and your craft? Um, I think it, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, at one, at a certain time in your career, you focus on that because everyone's telling you that you need to, or you see your friend like going on tour in Ibiza and he blew up because of it. And what you don't seem to realize is that 
when you talk to those people, they they are in a tough situation. They're not ready for that. Excuse me. And they get pushed into the limelight way too early. And now they have to basically learn all this new system that they have to carry around that they're not prepared for because it's happened so fast. Mm. So uh, luckily for me, um, my career has kind of been very steadily increasing. So as I grow, I learn and I get to kind of learn how to do this f- with longevity in mind. I kind of gave up on the whole viral thing. If it happens, it happens. But honestly, I don't really want it to happen either because it's going to bring in a crowd that only wants you for that one thing. I'd rather have fans that know my entire discography and they all come to the show rather than, oh, boo, you didn't play the hit song. I'm not here to play the hit song. Let me tell you, I'm playing the song that you don't know you love. And I'm trying to make you fall in love with it by presenting it in a certain way. So. I also think um, that there's a sense of peace internal peace when you know that you are an artist building for longevity or you're a person building for longevity because it takes the pressure off. Mm -hmm. So like you said, those viral moments, if they happen, they happen, but they're not your goal. So like for me, when the most important thing to me, when I'm putting content out there, you know, on my TikTok, whatever, is I'm consistently myself. Consistency wins the day. Yes. And that's what has longevity. But people who like, I think about all the TikTok stars who literally like did a couple dances, got super famous. Now, now what are they doing? You can't do that forever. How do you, how do you scale a dance? How do you scale playing the same freaking song? I mean, I love the songs that got popular on TikTok or whatever, but how do you, how do you scale that? Yeah, I think it's like, um, it's just an issue of like, no one knows what's going to go viral as much as there there are like crazy marketing schemes that go into big labels like mm-hmm. they they'll pay uh tiktokers to like use the new song in a dance video mm-hmm. stuff like that um but ultimately i think they got they went viral by mistake and now they're stuck with a life they weren't ready for and now they have people demanding the same thing and it's, I love the people that grow and they grow into it. And, um, like Theo Vaughn, that guy go, went viral and he kind of, he kind of looked like he was suffering a little bit, but then he kind of readjusted, realized what was important and just kind of narrowed his focus and did comedy only, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't stretch himself thin. He didn't create a t-shirt brand or skincare like just do the thing you're good at that you enjoy. Fuck the fans. You you need to enjoy it because you need to go to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And doing this for other people will never get you anywhere. You gotta do it for you. It sounds weird because it's kind of sounds selfish, but if you do it for you, you're you're gonna do it to a very high ability, and then the fans that like that will come. Right. You, know? you find you find your people and yeah. and you can't pour from an empty cup. And so if you're, you're saying, don't do, don't do a skincare brand. Don't do merch. Don't do all this at once. And I think that's like what people think they need to do. Yeah. All of a sudden they're growing and they're like, oh, I have to branch out and do all these things. And if everything is important, then nothing is important. A hundred percent. They compare themselves to other people that are doing well in their eyes, you Mm -hmm. know, 
And then when you really find out how the the music industry, any industry, how it really works, you go, oh, that's how they do it, right? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of, that also helps kind of alleviate the pressure because you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm not in that situation. I don't need to do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm being vague, but yeah, I don't, you can ask yeah. me what it is. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I catch your drift. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so talk to me about how in spite of all of this, all the, the bullshit that comes with it, how, how did you build your brand? And I especially want to know because you, you, your only brother is a DJ too. So that mm. had to be interesting. I want to know how you kind of built your own thing and, you know, made it different than him. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll give you the, sh the short story. So I went to USC um, and got a business degree. I was the first one to graduate from my family. Nice. Um, so it was a big deal. It was important to me. thought I was doing the right thing. It, school was always easy. Um, but during, during like my education there, I got involved with like uh, dance music because Hard Events, which was Gary Richards at the time, uh, was throwing raves right across the street at the shrine. And I would hear it. I'd be like, what the fuck is that? That's crazy. So loud. I just pick up a flyer off the ground, like look at the lineup, start looking up the names. And I go, dude, this is fucking sick. And um, I ended up creating a blog uh, where you could, it was a time where you could kind of share MP3s uh, with no, no reprimands or anything like that. So I became friends with uh, Trevor Bones from God of Dance Dirty. There was another one called Kid City, Chemical Jump, like these that we all were sharing music with each other as well as the general public. And um, I actually got invited to open the side room at the Avalon for one of the nights that God of Dance Dirty was doing. And they told me, hey, why don't you like throw a competition to have the opener uh, open for you? And so I did. And I basically asked uh the general public like yo give me a 30 minute mix and your best original record let me see and out of that i actually picked uh this guy kevin chapman who's sunburn now and we actually hit it off started making music together and we actually became pretty popular pretty quickly and it was just edm right um like data life eat like um bootlegs of this is how we do it like you know cool at the time but a little interesting now if i look back but we linked up with the guys at led in san diego and we became residents at voyeur which is no longer a club on in the gas lamp district and um it, it all was happening so fast I, we opened for skrillex alex metric data life like fetty legrand porter robinson wow. we got signed to chris lake's record label that was called um rising at the time Dead Mouse was opening with like uh, that song for his whole tour. Like wow. it, we were about to just pop off. Right. And then I, it got to the point where I had to finish college. I was like in my last year and uh, I kind of was like, I need to spend some time doing this or else I'm not going to be able to finish. Uh, I told Kevin and he was like, Oh, no problem, man. And then one day he's like, Hey, we need to talk. And then we went to have a dinner. He's like, yo, uh, I don't think your heart's into this anymore. I think we should go separate ways. I was like kind of side, just sideswiped because it didn't feel that way to me. Um, but it was what it is what it is, right? 
So I kind of took that as like, all right, well, that didn't work out. I'm going to do the rat race. And I had several jobs that um, wow. were of no interest to me. Like, basically, I was a quality assurance manager for an airplane company, a car dealer. Um, anyways, I digress. No way. Yeah. So I did all that. And in that, I taught my brother everything. And he saw what happened to me, kind of gave him this vengeful spirit of like, no one does that to my brother kind of a thing. Cause if we, I felt slighted, I'll be honest, but it was, it was meant to be. Um, but nonetheless, I taught him everything I knew and I would play around with Ableton and stuff like that. And then got to the point where I was fed up with my job and, I, and my brother's getting pretty good. And I was like, whoa, shit, dude, you're, you're onto something. Was that hard? That had to be hard. You you had all the success, and now you're working for a in quality assurance, and now your brother's getting good. I can't even imagine what was going through your head. It was not hard in like a jealous way. It was hard because it, it was like, I guess it, life is telling me this isn't for me, even though it felt like it was. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to to like pull myself and be like, no, it is, dude. I had nothing to tell me that, right? Yeah. So. And, and did you, f- sorry to, to interrupt, but no, no, go ahead. Forget, did you feel pressure to finish school because you were the first in your family to graduate? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I mean, I took loans out, but I did get a scholarship and yeah. so it, it felt important it, to me and then to my parents, you know, I didn't, mm. I wanted to make them proud, but, um, so I saw him getting better and then he got signed to dirty bird, uh, and it was like amazing because it was a big record, did well. And they started getting invited to these shows uh, that Claude would throw. And basically, I kind of started falling in love with it again. And he inspired me to kind of really spend some time. And um, every time I would be at my lunch hour, I'd come home. I lived really close. And I'd work on Ableton for an hour, bounce a song, listen to it, make the changes, come back, do it again. So I was like addicted i was back in like the mode of like oh my god this is so much fun and yeah. then one year later i get signed to dirty bird so yeah, yeah it kind of we helped each other and it's cool that's, yeah it's cool story. that's so cool <laughs> that's such a cool backstory and i have a lot of questions but i want to know because you i i can't really tell how do you feel about college education it sounds like there was a little bit of um not like uh i don't want to say you know you feel well i can't even (laughs) think of the right word it seems like you're kind of kind of pissed that that you know you felt the pressure to do that and i mean this is coming from somebody who has a useless master's degree across from me okay i've done absolutely zero with with that degree so i'm yeah i feel you i i feel the same way i think the we'll talk about college, but the whole education system is just bizarre to me. Looking back in hindsight, I don't remember anything like, but I got through it. I, everyone, I just got good at taking tests. That's what it felt like. Well, that's how they, that's it. That's what they do though. That's what they want. Like it's built for that. And it's, and it's crazy. I was having this conversation. I'm a consultant. That's like my main thing. Right. And I Mm. was consulting my client about basically millennials and them as a persona. I'm like, listen, they learn everything on YouTube. Mm. You got to talk to them differently than, you know, you're talking to somebody who's been in business for 20 years, an entrepreneur for 20 years, because they, they don't give a shit 
about your prestigious degree. No, you know, you're not, you're not going to relate on that because no. by the time you get out of school, that shit is not even relevant anymore. hundred percent. And you could argue it never was because you have armchair theorists like saying, well, this is what's important in the real world while they're not in the real world. No, and it's then a, you a vacuum. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't make I, any sense. And, and it's like, it. it's crazy because it costs so much money. And it's mm-hmm. so, and, and you still, so I'm a, like a big, this is total side. I'm a big proponent of apprenticeships. Cause it's like, you get paid to yeah. work hands-on learning. Like that's yeah. an actual, that's how Europe does it. Right. And like, just from the, the technology aspect alone, because I, I used to be a TV news reporter. I was learning on fucking cameras that like have not been used since the nineties. You know what I mean? And then yeah. I get out and I'm completely ill prepared yep. for the world. And the only people I think who got value out of their college education. I mean, I'm sure there's whatever, but it's like the people who already had ins because their mom or dad works somewhere. Yeah. And that's like, you know what I mean? Like, no, so 100%. what are we, what are we all like playing a role in this scam? I don't know, dude. I'm waiting for the revolution myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. That's why I felt comfortable. You let me know when it happens. I will yeah. be there. <laughs> I, I feel like you'll be in the front with a torch. And and that's why I feel, I've, I've seen you like talk about this. It's yeah. just crazy because, you know, like education is so important, but the way, yeah. the way that they do it is so antiquated, but I'm, you know, every step in your journey has its place. Right, and right. For you, it, you know, who knows how, you know, it's, you made two separate careers, you and, and your friend, you and Sunburn, like that's, who knows if you would have been as successful if you stayed together. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Obviously I'm very happy that happened, which is weird. Cause yeah, you don't think that at the time. Of course. Um, one more point to to the education thing. I think the older I get, the more I realize the best way to learn is to do mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? Obviously, there's things that like becoming a doctor. Yeah, you need to know the manual. But like when it comes to like, I want to start a business, start the business. Go find out how to make a t-shirt. Go learn graphic design. The more you can learn yourself and not right away like subcontract is the best like in the beginning as an artist uh you don't know how to master your own stuff and that's a big hurdle and then you realize that that's not even the the most important part it's the mixing of the levels of the volumes and in the beginning it's so daunting that you go well i'm just gonna send it out i'm just gonna let someone else take care of that but then you realize that's part of the artistic process itself Mm -hmm. like you send it out and then the guy sends sends it back and it's not the same. It's not the art that you made. Right. So yeah, just do everything yourself and it's going to suck for a little bit, but it's worth yeah. it. And and, to- and and being armed with that knowledge, even if it's at a basic level helps protect you because you don't, 100%. you don't know. Like I, I would never, you know, just send something at like without knowing you know, having a basic understanding. I'm not a graphic designer, but I know right. what looks like shit. You know what yeah. I mean? And I've tinkered around. I, I did Canva long enough on my own before I hired somebody to create the logo for my podcast, for example. Right. You know, so, so it's really, I think you're, you're, you're protecting yourself yeah. when you're taking the time to learn those things. And it's so e- it's easy now. And knowledge isn't behind a paywall anymore. Like it's, it's free. You can yeah. cobble shit together from all different platforms and right. So there's not really an excuse. I learned so much from TikTok and 
it's vilified by like people in suits that are angry for some reason. Like, you know, like when they were doing that trial, I was like, dude, you want me to edit my videos in Instagram? Have you fucking used that garbage? Like it's trash. I tweeted something about that too. I'm like, Instagram, you want to be TikTok so yeah. fucking bad, but you don't replicate the only, like the best part about TikTok, 100%. 100%. which is how easy it is to edit. I know. I know all that. That is the most annoying. That's where I built my audience because I'm very much like you. Like I've never been shy about stating my opinions, mm-hmm. which by the way, change. I've had, I've yeah. had opinions and which I'm not afraid. To, yeah, right. Yeah. That's growth. And I've said it to out loud to my audience. That's where I have my largest audience by a long shot because I just get on there and I, and I start talking about what's on my mind. And it's crazy because I, you know, that's what you'd argue. They don't want us to have, they don't want us to have the ability to just be authentic and share, you know, an unadulterated filtered knowledge. A hundred percent. And it's crazy because like it's, it doesn't even have to be political or controversial just the fact that you're being authentic feels kind of like ooh, what are you what are you doing like you're mm-hmm. you're getting out of line here buddy mm-hmm. you can't right. say that dude you right. can't say the thing and right. and it, uh, it's so obvious to me that you have to say the thing you know yep. and yep. um it's all you, you touch on something that you you change your mind i think it's so important to be honestly like, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. You're right. Or, you know what? I changed my mind. That's not what I think anymore. And that mm-hmm. should be okay. And it feels yep. like it's being penalized in the, today's world. And like, it's crazy, dude. What people don't realize is when you say that before someone can say to you, oh, well, I thought you, you're literally taking the power away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're taking the power away from people who want to try to like get, put you in a gotcha situation. Right. And so, and so I'm always the first to admit, I will say that, and I don't know how you feel about this. I just like you, you posted about like, nobody gives a fuck about your flight delay. Yeah. I have now, as I've gotten older, matured a little bit, thought to myself, do I really need to post this? Is this something that like can create community, make people reflect, do a good thing? Or am I just bitching just to bitch? And I've definitely edited, even if it's a valid point, I've edited my approach a little bit. I've refined my approach. And I, I, I think that's helped me a lot build my brand because sometimes you see people, it sounds like you and I care about a lot of the same issues. I think there's a lot of people who also care about these issues, but all they do is bitch. Yeah. They don't talk about it in a constructive way. And that's a complete mm-hmm. turnoff. I agree. I think I came to that realization myself. If I have something kind of negative to say, like a critique of this thing, why do we do it this way? Mm-hmm. I always write it and then I rewrite it and I go, how do I say this in the positive? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, wouldn't it be better if this? Or, you know, like, right. And it helps me be a little bit more positive too, because I don't want to live in that world, but we all have those thoughts. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's great advice because you're just going to turn people off yeah. from wanting to engage. I mean, with I you. do it. I unfollow right away. I'm like, dude, yeah. this is the fifth tweet. You haven't posted a meme. It wasn't funny. I don't care anymore. I, I, you are my friend in real life, dude, but I can't do it. 
can't look at that. Sorry. You, you wouldn't follow your friends? <laughs> I mute them, but they don't know that. <laughs> I'm sure they do the same to me. Wait, wait. I want to know one person who's muted. <sighs> oh, God. Um, this is going to be the viral TikTok moment. <laughs> <laughs> I better say the most important guy. No. Um, who do I mute? Uh, okay, I, I'll say this because I know she's done it to me as well. I've muted Vanessa sometimes, but she's you, muted me, and I'm like, I get it. You, we're, we understand, all right. I know yeah. you don't want to see my shit all the time. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. Well, I, I mean, I think she has a, shares a lot of the same opinions too. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. She's she's very like vocal about what she cares about. I interviewed right. her at EDC Orlando when I was working with Insomniac, awesome. and I talked to her about that. I was like, you, you her and Jay, where I was interviewing him at the same time, like you guys stand up for what you believe in and it's yeah. great and they're like yeah why why wouldn't we you know or, so but that's that's funny she's well, a good I'm, friend of mine too so i hope I, she doesn't i figured i yeah, figured yeah. you wouldn't say that about somebody who's like your <laughs> fucking you know nemesis <laughs> well this has been so fun i could literally talk to you for like hours and hours same same I'm this is fun. such a great conversation um leave, leave us with something leave leave the fans with something like it could be something you thought about this week or, or a mantra you live by. Sure. Um, so I'll use my real life as an example. Um, let's see here. It's, it's really hard to be artistic. It's really hard to be, to make your art, your job, because at a certain point it feels like a job and that sucks. And um, no one tells you that. Um, and it's really hard to, to give yourself a break and kind of let yourself have a bad day in the studio or what have you and not let it tear you apart, you know? So some, some sage advice I would say is, um, try to detach yourself from the art that you make because it is you in a sense, but it's not, it's not you, you, it's not the person that walks around and has the feelings. It was a moment in time, and there it's in your SoundCloud. There it lives. So get out of your own way. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to have a bad day. Talk to your friends. There's people that love you. Um, yeah, I think you gotta you gotta take care of yourself in this world because if you don't, I don't think anyone else will. You know, that's real. So, yeah, that's really real. Well, thank you so, so much. This was so fun. And I'd love to have you back. I feel like yeah. I need to do check-ins. <laughs> I, I need to like give it like three months worth of tweets and then check back in because there's, there's too much good content out there. That's like two days, dude. Three months I know. worth. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was so nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. I had fun. Thank you. I could have talked to Lucati for hours and I hope I get a chance to again because he's literally a wellspring of free game. Um, there's so many takeaways from this episode, but what I really want to emphasize is the fact that you should never be afraid to use your voice. Far too often, I meet incredibly talented people who are literally afraid of their own shadow. They are afraid to ruffle feathers because they don't want to potentially lose opportunities. And what I like to remind them, and Lucati said this in his own way, is that you are not for everybody and you shouldn't try to be. Your idols 
the people you look up to, they didn't get to where they are today by being timid and by being a people pleaser. So why do you think you're gonna get to where you wanna be by being timid and being a people pleaser? I digress. Um, if you like this episode, as always, the best way to support the show is to subscribe on YouTube or follow wherever you listen to podcasts, share it with your friends. Of course, I will see you back here next week. Have a great day. Bye.